Welcome back to the Long Distance Love Bombs podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jeremy Goldberg, and today's guest is Leah Brathwaite. Leah is a soul advisor. She encourages people to live free as a lifestyle. She helps people to stop feeling lost, to initiate freedom of your true self. She is an author. She is a speaker. She is a coach. She's a badass, too. In this conversation, Leah talks very candidly and openly and honestly about her upbringing in a family who were Jehovah's Witnesses. She talks about that belief system a little bit and how it created constraints around her desired life and what she really wanted. She talks about how she confronted that, how she sort of broke free from that family system how she developed her own sort of protocol or system in which to rediscover her true desired feelings, to find her soul again, so to speak. And then she's gone about helping others do the same. She's living a very abundant life. She's happy. She's healthy. She has a very inspiring take on the world. And in this episode, we talk a lot about that process, that self-trust, that learning to look inward and rely upon your gut, your intuition, and also, correspondingly, to confront the world and the culture and the family and the friends around you that will be affected by your newfound choices. So it's a really empowering episode. I think you're going to dig it. Without further ado, Leah Brathwaite. Now send upstairs. You're good. I'm just like a a little tiny toy tugboat in a washing machine currently. Classic. <laughs> that's that's how I feel. Uh-huh. Um, Great. You know, <laughs> Super. Couple things going on in the world in my life, uh, literally above my head. So if you're listening right now and you occasionally hear hammering, sawing, banging, scraping, profanity from the construction workers, I apologize. They're renovating the upstairs apartment. I have no control of that, but we're going to do our best. It's going to be great. It's all good. Leah Brathwaite. Nailed it. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm stoked to chat with you. Me too. So excited. So for people that are listening who have no idea who you are or what you do, like, Mm. what's your deal? How do you describe yourself? Oh, I was hoping for like that nice intro that you do and I don't have to talk about it, but I will dive right in. (laughs) Put me on the spot, make me talk about myself. Weird. Um, So I'm a soul advisor and I will be perfectly honest, that is a made up name that I created because I was having a hard time differentiating the work that I do. It's not quite life coaching, even though it is kind of life coaching and it's not quite mindset coaching, even though it is mindset coaching, but really what it is, it's a reconnection back to the truth of who you are. That's the way I see it. So um, it started with my own personal journey, but what I help other people do is reconnect to who they really are, what they really want and what they're meant to do in the world. So The way I kind of describe it is the same way a financial advisor will help you reach financial freedom and get you to your financial goals. I help people reach a state of freedom within themselves and help them reach the goals that they have for their lives. I love that. That was was so succinct and eloquent. Well, thanks. (laughs) 
So um, maybe we can start with your personal journey, since you alluded to having a life before mm. this conversation. What's kind of what got you into this work? Or I imagine there was kind of a night of dark despair or a turning point of some kind that that led to this, so to speak? Yeah, there were there were a couple twists and turns. Um, and I also feel like I've lived many lives up until this conversation that we're having right now. But um, to make it as succinct as I can, it was a number of things that led me to really having to start my life over from scratch at 30 years old which is pretty dramatic to say, but I, I had a pretty dramatic upbringing um, that I didn't realize was dramatic up until I started to really look at it. But I was raised in um, a pretty restrictive, some would say cult-like uh, religion that bred a lot of self-doubt and a lot of fear and a lot of guilt and a lot of shame into my upbringing. So I didn't really have a strong sense of self. I was one of those people that did what everybody else around me was doing and thought that the standardized checklist of husband, house, job, babies was what my life was supposed to be. Even though at a pretty young age, like right when I finished high school, I had this completely other sense of what I wanted for my life. I wanted a big expansive life of travel and somehow teaching and exploration and you know, the world is your oyster when you're done school. And that was the dream that I had for myself, but it didn't feel possible based on the representation that I had around me and what society was telling me. So I kind of got lost in the hamster wheel of the belief system that was all around me and bought into it like full on and uh, created a life for myself that I thought was what I wanted because it was every, what was everybody else doing? doing. And then I got to a point where I was like, okay, I have all of the things and I feel really shitty. Like I don't feel happy. I don't feel fulfilled. What am I doing wrong? And it was the realization that I had built my life according to other people's specs instead of my own. And that was the beginning of this self-discovery process that allowed me to um, create this system to help other people do the same thing. So like the religion or the childhood component. I'm curious if you could speak a little bit more about that, just from my own selfish curiosity. Like I didn't grow up in a very religious upbringing that kind of indoctrinated your worldview, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. And that's the best way to describe it, indoctrination. So <laughs> my parents were Jehovah's Witnesses. They actually converted when I was pretty young. So I still remember the very last Christmas that we celebrated. And this will give you an indication of the type of dynamic that was in the household. We um, were told that we weren't going to do all of the Christmassy stuff, but we were going to have a Christmas tree so that the neighbors could see that we were not the weird people not celebrating Christmas. So we had this big bay window. We were the corner house and everybody that drove down the street would see our house. So we put up this giant Christmas tree so that everybody would have the appearance that we were fitting in with the crowd and like celebrating Christmas. But we didn't do presents, which is the best part of Christmas. And we didn't do any of the carols or any of that stuff. So there was this, this underlying idea of like, as long as it go looks good for other people, it doesn't really matter what the truth of things are. So that was like the family aspect of things. There was a lot of dysfunction in the relationship between my parents and the relationship like between 
my parents and us. And there was that aspect of the belief system I created for myself. And then on top of it was the religious aspect, which was essentially saying, you don't have the capability to govern your life in a sustainable way. God is like the creator. He knows best. So we have to listen, listen to him. And technically, because we're ordained and appointed by God, we have all the rules. So you need to follow these rules if you want to be on this team sort of thing. And it's a very exclusive community. So participation in the crowd is necessary to maintain that sense of community. And anything outside of it is deemed as like unsafe, not great. We pity them. We work with them. We try to get them in to save them. So it was this indoctrination of like, you're not, it doesn't matter what it actually feels like as long as it looks good. Um, and these are the rules that you need to follow because you, you can't make your own decisions properly. You don't know what's best for you. Only God does. Um, and within this circle, is where life happens. Anything outside of it is dangerous and you're just taking matters into your own hands. It's not a great idea. And even another component of with the fake Christmas tree thing, which is mm -hmm. like put on a good front so it looks good for other people and that totally. it, it soothes their expectations of who we should be and how we should act. Totally. Right? Yeah. So there was like a lot of codependency, a lot of perfectionism, a lot of people pleasing that went on in the form, like in my formative years. And to my detriment, it became what I based my life on. So I was doing things that looked good, that seemed like the right things that were like what was expected. But there was this deep emptiness that kept growing with every accomplishment, with every time I said yes when I really wanted to say no, with every time I put up my hand in church to say something when I was like, I don't actually believe this, but if I don't do it, then I'm going to look like the one who doesn't believe sort of thing. And then you had a little bit of a reckoning after high school, you suggested? Yeah, the... so... And I'm still to this day, I have this conversation with my mom. I'm like, I can't believe you guys let me do this. But my parents knew that I was sort of struggling with going to the next step of college. I was like, I just, I'm finally free. I don't have to go to school anymore. And now I have to go back to school and pay for it. So what I wanted to do was travel. And I found a program where I could teach English and travel. And my parents actually let me travel by myself to China to go teach English in the summer camp. And it was life-changing. I came back with this idea of like, holy shit, there's a whole other world. This is possible for me. Maybe I can leave the church and do my own thing and have my own life and actually live this expansive existence that I had kind of felt calling inside me. But shortly after that, the only person that I knew who had left the church, which was my sister, she really struggled. She had a lot of the same, she had the exact same upbringing as me, but internalized it a little bit differently. So her experience was more traumatic than, than mine was. And she had a lot of challenges. And um, when I came home was right around the time all of those challenges were coming to a head and she had an, a, made a suicide attempt. And to me, that was like, oh my God, they're right. If you do leave, it is bad. If you do leave, you can't make it work. Not realizing that it wasn't the fact that she left the church. It was the fact that there was so much unhealed trauma that had been our upbringing that was really the root of that. So 
it scared me back into submission. And I was like, forget it. The dreams that I have too scary. I don't think I can handle that. And I went back into the church and said, I mean, I guess I'm just going to have to make this work. And I did for almost another 12 years or so. Wow. And so you kind of recognized that her story might be your story, but you hadn't really learned that her story isn't your story. Yeah. Right? There was that, that enmeshment of like, oh, if that happened to her, then it's going to happen to me because she's right. the only person that I know that has done this. And she was your older yeah. sister, I presume. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why did your parents let you go to China? Um, it's funny because I think my mom knew like if they didn't, then it would probably be worse. Like I had, I was like, so I was, I'm a very driven, fiery, I'm a Sagittarius. I like, you tell me I can't, then I will show you that I can sort of thing. So I think their fear was like, we'd rather give her a little bit of freedom than have her just go off the deep end. So it was kind of a reckoning. They were like, we'll give her a little bit of leeway and see what happens. Um, and I think too, like my mom always says, like, I want you to be happy and I want to support you in things. I didn't think, she probably didn't think that, or she didn't know that I was struggling so much with the whole belief system of wanting to leave the church because it's not something that you no. can really talk about. It's not like a dinner conversation, right? Yeah, I presume. So no, no. <laughs> so then you go off to China, you have these grand epiphanies, you're inspired for this divine expansive life that you know is possible. <laughs> you come home. Your family dynamics kind of shift you back into the path that you were on previously. Mm-hmm. And then for the next, like you said, 12 years, you were a Jehovah's Witness doing the nine to five. Knocking on those doors. Yeah. You were a door knocker. Mm-hmm. What, is it, what is it like? Do you mind speaking to that? Um, I mean, it's different for everybody. The only thing I can speak to is my own experience and interpretation of it. Yeah, but I it was always... I, Maybe I should be more specific. What was it like doing daily devotion to a belief system that in your heart you knew wasn't aligned with your truth? Oh, well, this is the thing with indoctrination. Like you are taught that if you don't have that faith, then it's a deficiency within you. It's like, we have the truth. And if you don't believe it, you're wrong. That's what it was. So I was like, man, I have got some issues. I'm like... I got to pray more. I got to do more stuff. And so it was this constant feeling of like, I'm not good enough. I'm not measuring up. Like I'm, there's something wrong with me because I can't get to the level that I observe other people at, whether or not that was truthful on their part, because on the outside, it probably looked like I was like a star witness. Like I was good at the perfectionist thing. I was like, how does it need to look so that I am accepted or what do I need to do so that I fit in? And I was really good at molding myself into these positions that made it seem like I, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, this is, I'm doing it too, guys. So it was challenging. It was this, this constant bar that I was trying to reach that just felt so out of reach. And then the more that you were sort of failing to get to that place that you thought you should be at, the more you were kind of doubling down on the religion, the perfectionism, the... I hear that. (laughs) Do you hear the knocking that I warned you about? Yep, somebody's just above my head hammering. Uh, So that's not distracting at all. So you 
double down on that. You're mm -hmm. doing the perfectionist thing. Mm -hmm. And that went on for another 10 years. And yeah. then, or did, if, did I skip a step or a chapter? No, you, you nailed it. So it was really like building my life with these, within this like limited box. So it's kind of like you're growing and you're getting bigger and you're still trying to step yourself into something. And it creates such a dissonance and such a discomfort when you're starting to make decisions that aren't aligned with your truth. So the religion has these parameters or these guardrails, like you can only marry in within the church. You can only do this sort of thing. Like there's, it's quite, yeah, it's, it's got these like barriers to what you're allowed to expect or, or achieve in your life. And so I made all of my decisions based on this rule book within this little box the person I married, the place that I decided to live, the job that I took, the school that I went to, all of that stuff was dictated by this belief system. And the more that I would try to fill that emptiness or try to like make something feel good within myself, the further away it seemed. So like I was saying, this driven ability that we all have, and it doesn't mean that you need to be raised in a cult or with like a specific family dynamic. If we're making choices that are out of alignment for us, we're going to reach goals and find a certain measure of success that feels really empty once you get there. You start thinking, I really thought I'd be happier when I got to this point. So then you throw out another goal and you're like, okay, maybe, maybe when like we're engaged now, maybe when we're married, it'll be better. And then, okay, maybe we just need to have a baby and it'll be better. Or maybe we need a bigger house or maybe we need another vacation or maybe when we have two cars or all of this stuff. I got to this point where we had all of the things. The next thing on the table was a baby. And I was like, why am I not happy? We just built this dream home. I got everything I wanted. Why does it feel so empty inside? And all along the way, I should point out that I felt... I felt this impending sense of like, oh, there's something not quite right here, but I just didn't know how to address it. And I knew that if I looked at it too closely, it would, it would make me do something that was very inconvenient or that would make me look bad or that would disappoint somebody. So this whole system that I had created around being perfect and doing everything that everybody wanted and like showing up and being all things for all people it was a fragile existence that was keeping me in this, in this box that was really just like, so I don't want to say soul sucking, but in a way it was soul sucking. There was such a vacuum of, of voidness that I felt inside. Yeah. So you were kind of basing your life and your belief system on this constrained box. And mm -hmm. then within that box, you were taking all the goals you were, you know, you had the house, you were married, it sounds like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. had all the stuff in the box. Yeah. So, so in the box, you were successful, quote unquote, from the yeah. outside perspective, or probably totally. from the approval of those who were also living in the box, mm -hmm. right? But then deep down, there was this inner angst that was yeah. like knowing and suggesting yeah. that this wasn't the path. Totally. It was like a gnawing, really. And I would push it down with like, more clothes, more planning. Well, we're just going to do this. But then it came to a head. Um, and I think we all have these moments. I call them, oh shit moments where you're like, oh shit, I don't know about this. I'm going to have to make a decision here. And the decision is, 
do the thing that feels good that is going to probably lead you in a completely different direction than, when you, than where you are now or continue down that path. And so at 30, as I'm putting away my groceries in this gorgeous fridge that I had like begged and pleaded and like made it such a big deal about, I'm putting things away and all of a sudden, it, you don't, you can't plan when these oh shit moments happen. They just come and they can be major things like a divorce or a job loss, or they can be a simple moment where there's enough like stillness that your soul is like, now let's get them. Let's see if we can wake them up a little bit. And it happened and it felt, I was looking around this beautifully decorated home and this voice, like this internal voice was like, not for another second. And I was like, what is going on? I was like, wait, what, what for not, what? Like I couldn't do it for another second. I was looking around and I felt like I was in the wrong movie. It was like in somebody else's house. I'm like, these are all choices that I made, but I don't feel like I'm a part of them at all. And as I'm having this, what I thought was like a nervous breakdown, my husband at the time was coming up the stairs and he's like, well, kind of looking at me sideways, like, are you okay? And I was like, that was the moment where I could either say, everything's fine, be the perfect wife, don't complain, just like, I don't even have a reason to complain. I have all the good things. Or say what's actually the truth, speak it out loud. And the moment you do that, that's the moment of courage. It only takes 10 seconds. And it was me saying, I don't think I'm okay. I don't know what's wrong, but I think I need to see a therapist. And he was like, okay. And was like great and kind and like sort of consoling. I could also tell he was worried. And in that moment, I knew that my life was never going to be the same because I had stepped through the thing that I had been avoiding for all of those years. I jumped through the threshold into the possibility of a different way of life, into the possibility of authenticity and the truth of who I was. So that was the moment that started this six-year journey. And you'll probably appreciate this. I used my life as an experiment because I was like, I did it that way. I got a lot of things, but man, I don't feel good about any of them. So why don't I try doing what actually feels good, even though it looks probably crazy to people? I love that so much. And so bravo to you for doing that in the first place. I just want to acknowledge that story. That must have been really terrifying to admit to the person closest to you that the life that you've created, the choices that you've made aren't right, so to speak. And so you go to therapy and what happens in therapy? Well, just like admitting that I needed like help was like, that's like a perfectionist nightmare. So that, that was like a really big step. It's also not something that's encouraged by the church. So I was like, I'm really in something deep here. So it was funny, actually, the first session that I had, I showed up and I was just like all smiles, like, I'm just here because like, I want to talk, like no big deal. And she's like, oh, I see you. Okay, cool. And she let me go on about how great my life is and yada, yada, yada. And then she asked me, what's the relationship like with your mother and your father? And I didn't realize like how thin the veneer was of this facade I had created. And that was enough to like burst the bubble. And then the tears came out. And then I was like, oh my God, it's not just that I'm not happy. There's a lot of stuff that I need to talk about. So we started with that, just the family dynamic, um, the religious dynamic, and then a very simple question like literally changed my life. 
and she asked me, well, what do you want? And I was like, hold the friggin' phone. I'm like, uh, well, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And then it was just this overwhelming sense of like, oh my God, I don't even know. I didn't even know who I was because I had built up this pretend version of myself. Um, and that's, it was the small steps of like, what does Leah actually like? Like, do I want to still go to church? Is this marriage what I chose for myself based on something deeper than a rule book? Or is this a partnership that is meant to be in a different form? So there was so much unraveling because I had built so much of my life on this foundation that wasn't really real. And so how was that? fucking terrifying it was just a realization of like oh my god and that's one of the downsides of being a driven person like you could drive like the dickens but if you're taking directions from the wrong source you're going to drive yourself like into oblivion and i was in oblivion in a very lost place and i had to do a backtrack of like okay i need to get back to the beginning and it all begins with who you are and what you want and so that was the discovery process. And then through that experimentation of like going through the steps myself and figuring it out, I did a lot of yoga, like three yoga teacher trainings. I did a lot of energy work and healing and crystals and chakra work and all of that stuff. And then I also dove into the more practical aspects of it as well, because light and love is so great, but I'm also a human with a body and dealing with other humans with bodies. So what does actual psychology look like, practical psychology, mindset work, all of that stuff. So at the time I wasn't working. So I, my full-time job was figuring this shit out. Like I was reading books and I was doing research and I was doing trainings after trainings after trainings and got into a repeatable process where at every level that I encountered, I was able to use this repeatable process to level up to the next level. And it all starts with just discovering the truth of who you are. I call it your soul and I call it tapping into your soul and setting it free to guide your way. So that becomes your GPS. That becomes your, um, your blueprint, your direction giver, using the power of your intuition, using your emotions and using your mindset to bring like mind, body, spirit all together so that you start to manifest the life that you are meant to live. And when I talk about manifesting, it's easy to get like, woo woo, like rub some, some crystals and, and your partner will appear. But it's really about the creative manifestation of it. And there is an energetic alignment that is required for you to be aligned within yourself so that you can align with the opportunities that are actually meant for you. And that's where the magic of the universe comes in because it's all frequency, it's all energy. And once you can tune your energy to be able to feel and resonate with what's yours and what's truthful, then you start to see these incredible opportunities open up much quicker than you probably even imagine. So my biggest fear in therapy was my therapist saying, I once had a client who was also a Jehovah's Witness and it took him about a year to like turn things around. And I remember sitting there thinking like a whole fucking year, there's no way, like I'd rather die. And then I was like, well, no, actually I wouldn't. So let's not be dramatic. And, and it was much actually much faster than that. Mm. It, it reminds me, I have a friend who 
grew up in the church, very similar story, was the, the best one, like got the scholarships for the church school dance or whatever. Like I'm making shit up. I have no idea what I'm talking about. But she was like, like oh. yeah, the scholarship for the dance, you know? Um, so <laughs> she, she was like the goody goody people pleaser. Um, and then very similar story, like in her early twenties had this kind of reckoning and went through this transformation. And, and I remember her saying to me how scared she was mm. because she didn't know what she believed. And she mm-hmm. said, you know, everything had been removed and I was walking around on the planet and I didn't know who I was yeah. and I didn't know what I believed about everything that I saw around me. Um, and it sounds yeah. like you were confronting a similar story and then you've, through research, trial and error, experimentation, developed a sort of protocol to kind of mm-hmm. guide your operating system, for lack mm-hmm. of a better phrase. Yeah, and absolutely. then you've just kind of continued iterating and iterating and up-leveling. Mm-hmm. Where did you start? Um, I started with Instagram, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what I like. I don't even know what I'm interested in. And then I was like, okay, let me just look at what pictures I like. And I was like following a whole bunch of yogis and I never really did yoga, but I was just like, I think it's cool that they make these beautiful shapes with their bodies. And I was like, okay, I think I like yoga. Let me go to yoga. And (laughs) I started taking yoga classes and I was like, okay, there's something here. Like I started to feel the physical practice in the sense of moving my body in ways that I didn't normally move them, move it and noticing the reactions that would happen. This one yoga teacher in particular, she was so lovely until she made us do this warrior sequence where we're like standing in warrior two for like, I don't know, it felt like 20 minutes and it pissed me off. Like there was so much rage, so much anger coming from my hips that I was like, what is happening here? And the first time I was like, maybe it's just because I'm a little out of shape and I feel stupid because everybody else is so much better than me at this. And then the next time it was the same. And then the next time it was the same. And I actually went and Googled like, does yoga make you crazy? Like, why am I freaking out? And that's when I started to learn that it's not just physical practice. There's an energetic release and there's emotions that get stored in our bodies. And I learned that your issues are in your tissues. And then I was like, oh my God, I need to know more. And I dove into it and I I did my first teacher training because I was like, there's something here that my body is showing me about my emotional state, how I'm relating into the world. And that was the beginning of it. But um, in relation to your friend as well, it's a terrifying experience to start stepping outside of what you've always known because you, you question it doubly. So I was like, like cynical about everything. I was like, that can't be right. And then that's why there was so much of my own experimentation that had to happen because in my mind, I still had all these programs running of like, the only person who knows what's good for you is God. And the only person who speaks for God is us. And so it was, it was like, I had to double check everything and see if it was true. And the only thing that I could feel, the only way that I could know was within this resonance within myself. It was like a full body. Yes. Or it was like a no, it was like an expanded feeling or a contracted feeling. And that's what really helped me. Like getting into my body was so foundational to be able to tell the truth, to be able to understand, um, is this mine? Is this not mine? 
And so meditation became part of my practice. Journaling became part as well. And that also helps to kind of regulate things. Yeah, I love that Instagram was the impetus <laughs> to undergo a radical spiritual transformation. I wish it was something more like, I don't know, the heavens parted and God yeah. actually spoke. But I was like, I don't even know what I like. And so if you're in that similar situation, just start looking at the things that draw your interest and get curious about them. Yeah, and recognizing too that the path unfolds in the weirdest and wildest way. Totally. Of like, if you had judged yourself for being on Instagram that day, of like, no, I really shouldn't be doing this. Exactly. I should be reading. I should be this. I should be that. But you trusted that, no, this feels good. And this feels like fun. And I'm learning some stuff. And I'm just going to go with it. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that people forget, that sometimes you need to just pump the brakes and let it feel good. And let that be what guides you. <laughs> Yeah, it's so simplistic and so cliche, right? It's just like, just follow your bliss. Just trust but your guts. Like these things are so cliche because there's truth to them. It's just like sometimes the wrong, like it gets interpreted the wrong way as in like, fuck responsibilities, just follow your bliss. It's, it's not that. It's just, um, it's an attuned following of the bliss that's required. Yeah, and so you kind of it's like one step after the other right is like how you run a marathon so like the first step was instagram second step was oh i follow yogis then it was doing some yoga then probably the yogis are like you got to meditate and you're like what's meditation i don't know and you're like okay i'll do that and it's just kind of step by step by step you kind mm -hmm. of change your life it's not as if you woke up one day and decided I'm going to be a yoga teacher. I'm going to journal. I'm going to have a morning gratitude practice. I'm going to eat vegetables. I'm going to, it's like, yeah. it's a process. Totally, right? totally, totally. And one of my favorite quotes that um, I found early on is a Rumi quote, and I might not like get it bang on, but it's, it's basically like, as you begin walking, the path unfolds. And to me, that is what life is supposed to be. Like if you're following a defined path, that means somebody else walked it before you. That is not yours. It's a moment-to-moment -moment choosing, and it's like a choose-your-own-adventure. And if I take this step, what's going to happen next? And if I take this step, what's going to happen next? And it's literally like the universe is like creating the floor underfoot as you're brave enough to start walking. And it's, it's not something that you're going to see the exact outcome. Had I known that I'd be where I am now, I would have done this so much sooner, and I wouldn't have been so scared. But I was like... I don't know what my life is going to look like because I've never done this life thing before and I could fail miserably and crash and burn or it could also be great. And here's the thing, like you never actually crash and burn everything. Like even the parts where I was like, Oh no, I'm definitely crashing and burning. This is a dark night of the soul. And then another one comes through and you're like, Oh no, there's a shit sandwich underneath this dark night of the soul. And then there's another one. There are all these beautiful moments that I look back on and I'm like, oh man, that was like the gold right there. That was, that was the becoming. That was like the most important moments of my life. And there's so much gratitude for all of those really hard things because there is so much gifting that comes from it. And I know like if somebody's going through a hard time right now, they're probably like, fuck you. Like this doesn't feel good at all. But I promise on the other side of it, that's where all of your gifts come from because you bring the light of your experience of you being in it to it and create something out of it. I fully agree. 
the way that I've phrased it before was like, you learned how to walk by falling down a lot. Yes. I learned how to trust a partner by being betrayed and being cheated on. Being cheated on taught me a lot about love, right? And it taught me a lot about trust and healing and mm-hmm. boundaries and da, 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 the list goes on and, and on. And other things. Yeah. yeah. And, and I love this idea of just trusting and sort of surrendering to the uncertainty mm-hmm. of the moment, of the decision, of the process of like the way that I describe it to myself, like when I give myself pep talks is <laughs> uh, I don't know why I'm supposed to do this thing, but I know that I can't not do it. I'm just supposed to, like literally yesterday, Leah, I was talking to a friend of mine about this podcast. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, you know, I don't really know why I'm doing the podcast. Uh, Like it doesn't really make me any money Uh, from a business direction. Like I don't really want to be a professional podcaster. Mm -hmm. Uh, Takes a lot of time, but I love doing it mm-hmm. and I love meeting new people. And I feel like the way that I phrased it to him was, I said, I feel like at some point, maybe like episode 142 or, you know, 220, my life is going to radically shift because of one specific podcast that I've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's going to take my life in a totally different direction that I could not predict or comprehend or even at this stage, desire. Yeah. Um, but I just am trusting and I've done this enough. And like, I know that you have to, that like, I know that I'm on the path. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm supposed to do a podcast and I'm just trusting that the reason in the future will present, will present itself. And I'll look back and be like, ah, I knew aha, it. I freaking knew it. Yeah. I knew it. <laughs> That's why I was supposed to do it, right? Totally, totally, totally. But like that requires me to give myself a pep talk and to talk to my friend about my fears and uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And also just, in my experience, just perpetually leaning in mm-hmm. to the desire to control everything and to know all the answers. Totally, totally, totally. And it's so funny that like we want to know so badly. Like it's, when you said surrender to the uncertainty, it's like, yes, absolutely. But it's the most terrifying thing, but it's also the most real thing. Like we are all like, we don't know when our time is up on this planet. And we walk around thinking like, oh no, I got so much time. Like I, I, it's guaranteed almost, but I'm like, we're in the most uncertainty, like just breathing and being alive is the most uncertain thing possible. So like when you can wrap your brain around that, then you're like, okay, so if everything ends, what do I have to lose? Like if everything is, you know what I mean? Like do, how do I want, how do I want to go out with like all of this time that I'm saving up for the potential that maybe it'll happen? Or do I want to actually start living and creating and being in the life that I signed up for? Because we all signed up for this shit, believe it or not. (laughs) Right now, it's like, I don't think, I don't know that I, I don't know about that. We're all here because we signed up for it. (laughs) Yeah, and and for context, we're recording in mid-July where the the coronavirus is a thing. Yeah. There's a lot going on in the world. Social justice is a major thing. There's a lot of shifting happening. Yeah, the world is is in it, (laughs) let's say. And so what practices or processes do you have to surrender to uncertainty or how do you work with your clients to do that? 
Um, for myself, because there's so, I've done a lot of extreme things to build that resilience to uncertainty. Um, I feel like I can handle it a little bit better. Like I don't get a shake and I don't freak out as much. I don't have to like call my besties like in the full on meltdown mode. I'm like, I'm having a minor meltdown now <laughs> instead of like the snot and crying. Um, but what I do is the same sort of thing of having a pep talk and being like, okay, I've gotten to this place because I've done hard things in the past. And even recently, like I'm, I'm going to be moving again. I'm like, there's a lot of transition going on in my life. And I still remember this moment when I was in grade six and I was moved, I moved to a new school and I was starting a new school and it wasn't the first time I was starting a new school, but it was the first time that I was actually aware that I was starting a new school. I was like, Oh, this actually means something. And I remember walking into class and it seemed like everybody was sitting with their friends and I had no friends. I didn't know anybody. And I turned around and walked out of the class and I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. This is too scary. And my grade six teacher was like, no, you can do this. It's just scary. It's not impossible. And she pushed me and made me go and sit with new friends and I found new friends. So it's this idea of reminding yourself of the hard times that you've gotten through in the past. And it can be as simple as like this one time when I was in grade six, I did the hard thing and I sat at the table and made a new friend. So remembering that it might feel like you're going to die, but you're not actually going to die. It's okay for things to be hard, but it's really coming to this place of trusting yourself. And it all comes back to who you are, what you want. And when you have those, that clarity, then you're able to make decisions. Like you were saying, like you keep leaning into it because you know, down the road, it's somehow going to pay off because it's like this truth that you're meant to be in that place. You're meant to face it. You're meant to be expressing whatever it is, is trying to come through. So the ways to sort of start to build that is to getting to know yourself through meditation, through journaling, through a program or something or your own research, listening to podcasts, books, getting a mentor or a coach who can take you through a process of you recognizing that you are your greatest teacher and source of wisdom. And it's not something that happens overnight. It's kind of a, a constant evolving or involving of your attention inward to what is most aligned with your truth. Mm. And recognizing that, just to add to that, because I fully agree, recognizing that when you start, or even when you're well on your way, it can feel hard and weird. Yeah. And like, you might not be good at it. And you might be like, I don't know what I'm feeling. Yeah. I don't know what I want. Yeah. I don't know what's true. And just be like, ah. Yeah. And recognizing that those are all stories on top of your truth. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, and you that's do know. part of it. You yeah, know. totally. That's part of it. It's like breaking down like the crispy outside to get to the inside. Like you, it's, you're not supposed to be good at it. If you were good at it, you wouldn't have that issue in the first <laughs> place. Like if you could walk, you wouldn't have to learn how to walk. You wouldn't be falling mm -hmm. down. Um, but recognizing that there's, there's a learning curve that doesn't ever go away. If you're not in these uncomfortable situations, or if you're not ever doubting yourself, then how much are you really growing? Like if you know everything, I mean, that's kind of, it's great. It's like, okay, cool. Like I've mastered something, but then what? Like you want to stay there forever? Yeah. You're not growing, you're dying or something like that. Was like, but even like all the masters you talk to, you know, 
or even probably in your own life, you realize the more that you know, the more you don't know. Oh my right? gosh. Yeah, absolutely. Like the, like the more answers you have, the more questions you discover. Totally. Like, oh shit. Like, I, like I it goes to, on forever. <laughs> it's, it's just like, it's part of it. It's like, mm-hmm. it's just how it goes. And I think that the more that we can make peace with that understanding, mm-hmm. the easier it is to confront the moments when we are feeling lost, feeling uncomfortable, feeling scared, etc., and remind ourselves of like, oh yeah, this is the part where I want to vomit. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah. This is like, for me, I'm like, oh yeah, this is the part where I'm really mean to myself. That's right. Yes. Like, this is the part where I tell myself I'm really not good enough. This is the part where I insult myself. Oh, mm-hmm. that's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, and like, accepting that there are those moments and just... I think there's so much of us that wants everything to be easy and comfortable. So when we have those moments where we doubt ourselves, we like, this shouldn't be happening. I'm doing it wrong. And no, you're not. That's part of it. That's how you learn to overcome it. That's how you move through it. You don't just Mm -hmm. stop and accept it because if you do, then your doubt is always going to be right. But if you move past it, then you prove that your soul is always right, moving you beyond these places that you yeah. seem to be stuck in. And it's such a head fuck to completely flip the script and consider mm-hmm. that, oh, it feels hard because this is right. Yes. Like, yes. oh, shit. Yeah. I have a story. I'll try to make it quick about scuba diving. So it's been something that I've wanted to do forever, like since I was like a teenager. And so finally this winter I was traveling in Thailand and in Bali and I was like, I'm going to go scuba diving. And I was super stoked about it. I was a little nervous because I don't snorkel. I can't like, I have like this mind body disconnection. I can't do the breathing underwater thing. It freaks me out when I'm snorkeling. But I thought if I have an entire breathing apparatus and I'm completely submerged, maybe it would be better because there won't be water getting into my snorkel. So I go to this dive shop and I say, I would like to learn to scuba dive, please. And they were kind enough to take me into the pool just to see if I could actually breathe without freaking out. And I could. So they're like, cool. Yeah, you could do your certification. So I do the couple days of, of the certification in the pool, do the homework and stuff. And then it's time for the deep dive in the ocean. We are going to 18 meters below sea level. And I'm like, I'm going to see fish. It's going to be amazing. I'm in Thailand in Koh Tao, where apparently there's supposed to be 30 feet of viz. It's supposed to be beautiful tropical corals and fish, all of that stuff. I was stoked on the experience. We get there. The conditions are not great. There's maybe like three to five meters of visibility. So you can't see anything like beyond the person in front of you, basically. And we start going down and I start freaking out. I'm like, this doesn't feel the way it's supposed to. I'm not seeing all the magical, beautiful fish. I'm doing the thing that I thought I always wanted to do. And it feels like shit. I don't think I can do this. And I start freaking out. We get down to the bottom and I'm like, no, this doesn't feel right. This is too hard. This is too scary. It doesn't look the way it's supposed to be. And I panicked and I actually was like, I'm going to just shoot back up to the surface and screw this. My dream of scuba diving, I don't ever want to do this again. This, this was a bad idea. And I did that mental thing of like, okay, you're fine. You actually are breathing. It doesn't feel the way you thought it was going to, but you're doing the thing that you wanted to do. So can we just stay here for a second? 
And then eventually I was able to calm myself down. So I started looking around and I was like, oh, there's actually some cool fish. And oh my God, if I look really closely, I can see a coral. And then my instructor was like, okay, she's not going to like kill us both or (laughs) pop back up to the top. And we started to swim forward. And then I saw like a turtle and then I saw a lobster and just really amazing things started to open up in front of me. And I was like, had I listened to that voice of like, this is, this is not right. This feels too hard. I would have missed out on all of the magic and exploring this new world. And that has been a really pivotal moment for myself because with coronavirus, with like doing a cross-country move during the middle of it, and just a lot of upheaval in my life recently, I come back to that and realize that sometimes our dreams, our biggest desires, will require us to go through these moments that feel so uncomfortable. And it's not going to happen the way you think it's going to happen. And you have this idea of how it should be. And then it's not exactly that. But if you can stay in that growth spot in that period of acclimatizing yourself to that discomfort, that's when you become the person who is actually scuba diving, who's actually fulfilling the dream. And then the next dives that I did after that were incredible. I saw massive manta rays. I saw really cool stuff. And I was like, I'm so glad I didn't give up on this just because it was hard. So I'm actually a certified scuba instructor. No way. <laughs> yeah. So I love that story. Yeah. I'm like, okay. what a beautiful analogy. Um, and it, it made me think of a question, which is, mm-hmm. how do you distinguish, um, on the topic of doing hard things, how do you mm-hmm. distinguish between a hard thing that is actually not your path, it's guiding you away from that hard thing, versus a hard thing that is a fuck yes, I, sh- I should stick with it, this is, my, this is what I have to do? Mm. The way I sort of see that is there's like an external and an internal resistance. There's always like some sort of resistance in growth because you have to become bigger than the thing that you already are. So in the case of the um, scuba diving thing, it was all stories that I was making up in my mind. I was like, this is too hard. You can't. This is not good or this is bad or this shouldn't be this way. So it's the quality of the thoughts that you're having. Whereas if you're doing something and it's not really your path, then there's almost like this external force that's like pulling or pushing against you. And you're like, oh, this doesn't feel good, but it doesn't feel good. Not because it's hard. It doesn't feel good because it just feels like wrong. There's, there's an internal versus, versus the external battle that you have. So if you have a really big goal or dream or this like, fuck yes, that rises up within you. And then you have all of these stories that come in to like shut it down, you know that the fuck yes was like your soul and the stories that are shutting down is like your ego or your mind or your fear that is trying to keep you where you are. Whereas if you have kind of like a neutral sort of thing and you have all of these thoughts that are kind of flooding in of like, you should do this or you should do that, or this is what would look better, or this is what you should do. Then you realize that it's coming from an external source. It's not, it's not yours. Does that make sense? Yeah, I like that. It, and it's kind of like um, also recognizing that the inner voice is a really powerful whisper, so mm-hmm. to speak, and that sometimes the hard thing might on the surface be an easy thing. Mm-hmm. Like the hard thing might be, hey, it's Tuesday, sleep in until 10 a.m. and take a bubble bath until noon. Mm-hmm. Like that's not, you know, 
ostensibly a difficult thing, but mm-hmm. for certain of people who are hardwired to be achievers and get stuff done, relaxation can be a really, really hard thing. But yeah. deep down, perhaps your body might be whispering like, yes, rest, yeah. I want that. Yeah. And like, I like that you said, it's like a powerful whisper. That's the way I kind of describe it. Like listen for those whispers and they come in and they're clear and they're distinct and there's not a whole lot of explanation. It will be something like sleep in till noon. And you'll be like, why? But why? And then the mind gets in and it's like, explain more. I know that's not enough information. Why does that feel like a good idea? The same way you're talking about the podcast, you're like, I don't exactly know why I'm doing this. It just feels like a yes. Like it just feels right. So oftentimes when it's your path, there's not going to be a whole lot of um, an itinerized like recommendation of like, you should do this because it'll lead to this and this and this and this. It'll be like clear, distinct, and pretty unemotional. It'll just sort of be like, do this thing, say yes, say no, or tell like. And trusting that. And so like, for me, a story that demonstrates that is literally why you're sitting here right now is uh, we have a mutual friend, Kelsey Grant, Love her. Uh, who is at <laughs> Radical Self Love on Instagram and who is like, I think my third podcast interview, maybe or oh, fifth. No yeah, early days. Mm-hmm. She, I watched her Instagram story and she tagged you or mentioned you or shared something that you wrote or something. Mm-hmm. And, um, and internally, I was like, huh. And I was like, hey, Kels, like, would that person be a good podcast guest? I just felt like this inner like yeah. question. So I was uh-huh. like, rather than being like, what are you doing? You don't know this chick. Like, that's <laughs> dumb. You're, you're better than that. You have to vet people 100%. Uh, I just wrote Kels because I trust her. Yeah. And she wrote back, like, she does, like, all capitals, OMG. <laughs> yeah, lots of love hearts. Yes. And, um, and now here we are. And we're, like, doing a thing. Yeah. And it, and it's and it was awesome. that easy. Yeah. Right? So I think that's just a like a very easy, basic example of trusting my gut. Mm-hmm. Um, and I share that because I think it's a powerful example of practicing that process of yes. like, if I can't trust my gut to respond to an Instagram story, mm-hmm. then how am I going to trust my gut to quit my job, leave my partner, start a business, mm-hmm. move to a different country Sell my house, right? Totally, totally. And to that point, it does start really small because I used to be having like no sense of self. I was one of those people that would like sweat when the menu came out and I was like, oh fuck, I have to make a decision. I was like, well, should I eat this thing? Like, what is everybody else eating? What is everybody else doing? So even ordering at a a restaurant was something that gave me anxiety because I couldn't make decisions. I couldn't trust myself. So it started with something as basic as that. I would like routinely go to Starbucks and I'm like, what do you want today? And sometimes I would be standing in line and I'd be like, I don't actually want a coffee. I'm only here because I come here like every single day and it's part of my routine. And then I would have to trust that and like remove myself from the line, go back into my car, looking like a weirdo I imagined or whatever. But it starts with like following those little breadcrumbs. So you can like start to build that trust muscle for yourself by responding to a DM, by listening to that small whisper that says, take a bath instead of going to the gym or go to the gym instead of taking a bath or talk to this person or call this person or whatever. That's how, when you open yourself to being curious, to hearing those whispers and following through, 
that's how you start to build that resilience to be able to be like, okay, I'm getting this feeling or this calling, like it's time to quit this job, or I'm getting this feeling like it's time to break up with this guy. That's when you're able to make those decisions with more ease. And like, like I said before, it doesn't mean like it's easy, but it's clear. (laughs) It's like simple. It's not super complicated. It's like a yes or a no. It's just, then you be the person that has to do it. Yeah. And so it, it might be that ease is the wrong indicator, right? Mm -hmm. So you might, we we might not be supposed to, how am I trying, I'm trying to phrase this. We might be chasing the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. We should potentially be chasing alignment Mm -hmm. instead of ease. Totally, totally. Yeah. Like, or integrity or inner truth, whatever you want to phrase it. Well, that's the thing. Like if you imagine what it takes to like maintain balance, especially like if you're on a tightrope or something, it's not easy. You're constantly making adjustments. You're constantly like Mm. taking in information. And as you move forward, it gets even harder to kind of keep your balance. So it is this alignment. It's alignment within yourself. And as you're taking in information and processing where you wind up on your path, as these steps sort of unfold, you're constantly readjusting that sense of alignment. So the more aware that you can become in your surroundings, and that's why everybody preaches presence, sounds like a cliche, but if you're not in the moment, you can't observe all of the information that is available to you and you can't actually tune in and see if you're in alignment. So this idea of like more introspective, focused um, clarity that comes from meditation or journaling practices allows you to be observant to literally all of the wicked magical things that are available to you. And then you can start Mm. to move in that direction. Yeah. And like you miss opportunities if you're not present. Totally. One thing that has motivated me Mm -hmm. like, ah, I could have met that person or noticed that thing or whatever. And ironically or not ironically, but oftentimes those opportunities are the, the hints or the breadcrumbs Bread. that are actually yeah. guiding you totally. where you're supposed to be, but you missed it because you're so worried about where you're supposed to be. Totally. And actually see. But you're like, oh, wait, there was this like yeah. magic thing that was right in front of me. But here's mm-hmm. the thing. It's not like the universe punishes you. It's going to come around again. Yeah. Everything keeps coming around until you finally wake up and you're like, oh, that's the thing that I want. I just wasn't mm-hmm. paying attention. Yeah. So it's, it's like the more, the faster that you get at paying attention, the less times you're going to have to go around the merry-go-round and wait for the thing to come around again. Right. Yeah. It reminded me of um, this dude, Kyle C. says this great oh, line where he, he's, he's fantastic. And he talks about um, people being on um, dating apps mm-hmm. and how they're like, they're like looking down at their phone all the time, swiping, swiping, swiping. And then a person will come up and be like, excuse me, sir, I have a question. And he's like, no, not right now. I'm trying to find my soulmate. And it's like, actually, it could be literally that person, right? Right, exactly. But we're so um, focused upon how we think we should do things. And we're so stressed about controlling it in the way that we mm-hmm. feel like it, it should be. Mm-hmm. We don't allow ourselves the opportunity to consider a completely different path. Totally. Or the opportunity to grow into whatever is coming. Yeah. Another way I've seen it described is like if you picture a spiral, so like a Mm -hmm. dot at the middle and then like a long spiral going out and out Mm -hmm. and out. Um, So you could, if that's your path, you could go along that spiral and get to the end. 
Mm-hmm. Or you can like jump to the next line mm-hmm. and then jump to the next line, mm-hmm. right? And you kind of skip going all the way around again. Yeah. And I feel like occasionally, in my life at least, I'll have these moments where it'll feel like that. Like, oh shit, yeah. I, just, I just jumped three steps. Hyperspeed like, or something like, whoa, why in a new place? Look at that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Um, whether that's finding an apartment or mm-hmm. getting, getting booked on a podcast or an opportunity, like whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally. Okay. Where do we go from here? What have we not discussed that you're feeling called to share with the universe? Um, I guess just that this whole um, journey that started with like swiping on Instagram, like trying to figure out who I was and what I wanted is the proof that my experiment worked. And I'm, I'm actually on a different experiment now. I've actually signed up oh. actually with Katie, who we were talking about before. Um, we're both following this new thing where we do what feels good. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it's letting go of like even more of the should sandwich that is like permeating all of life. And it's like, does this feel like it's mine? Does this feel good? But um, getting back to like the, the experiment that I conducted to begin with was this idea of like, it was from um, a quote from Nina Simone, which is, I'll tell you, I'll, what is freedom means to me is freedom is no fear, basically, something like that. Butchered it. It's like a three word quote that I just, yeah, ravaged, I mean, but so whatever. <laughs> freedom means no fear. Is that I'll tell you system? what freedom means to me, no fear. And that to me was this idea of like, oh man, that's what we all want, this freedom to be ourselves to like be fully expressed to live free without the fear of what are people going to think am I doing the wrong thing is this the right thing like how like this fear that we have surrounding our entire experience so in my adventures it was to prove what it means to live free and it's this fully expressed version of myself without the stories of indoctrination without the i'm not good enough without all of that stuff what if i just believed that i was whole and worthy and loved and went through life in that capacity and i can tell you that when you say like you jump like three stages like i sometimes don't even understand how i'm sitting here talking to you on a podcast and I have this online program, this work that I do that is so fulfilling that I wrote a book that I'm not married anymore, that I'm not in the church. Like it's wild to see what's possible when you align with the truth of who you are, when you tap into your soul and you use that as your guidance system, because it really does transport you to those breadcrumbs that will help you make these exponential leaps. Mm. And the cool thing is at first I thought like I had just figured out this thing for myself, but I think everybody who ends up doing work in the line of helping others is because they've gone through the transformation and have created a system or have a way, a path forward that can help other people. And I've had so many clients who have had the same repeatable, um, experience where they're like, I am now like the whole version of myself and I'm aligned with something that is inside of me and also outside of me and greater than me and it's propelling me and moving me forward but it's a constant practice of coming back it's a constant practice of using my own framework like I use my own worksheet and anybody who's taken the live free lifestyle knows like I'll always say do the worksheet if you're freaking out do the worksheet and it gets you back in line with yourself and what's yours Mm. um 
So just to say that you can start in a place that feels impossible, that you feel lost and completely stuck and void of any goodness in your life. And you can create the life that you dream of. You can experience the things that you deeply desire. If you're willing to do the quote unquote work, if you're willing to do the uncovering and the processing, and if you're willing to be courageous enough to go inward and and heal the places that need to be healed and look at the places that are still kind of sticky and love those places and have mental conversations with yourself. It's totally possible to live the life of your dreams. That was really well said. What, uh, when you reference freedom being no fear, what do you perceive as the antidote to fear then? I think naming it, I think acknowledging that it's a part of the experience, um, not necessarily saying like no fear as in I will never be afraid again, but not letting fear be your directing force. I know what happened. What? There's a comma missing. It should be no comma fear. Like, <laughs> like you're talking to it, right? No, like shaking but your finger at it. <laughs> it's, not, it's not no fear. It's no. No. Fear. Fear. Yeah. Oh, we're going to do this anyway. Yeah. That's what it is. It's, and so there's this whole premise of like love versus fear. Mm -hmm. And I think you need fear to be able to express love in a certain capacity. Because if you think about what it takes to overcome fear, it's courage. It's doing something in the face of fear. And courage comes from the word, the word cur. In French, it's car, which is like, epitome of what love is. That's where it comes from. So to be able to have the fullest expression of love, I feel like love in action is courage, which overcomes fear. So it's not saying like you avoid anything that's scary. It's hmm. not saying that you let fear win. It's saying that you love yourself enough to be courageous, to look at it, whatever it is that's scary and see if you can move through it. Mm. Yeah, loving yourself enough that you put yourself in a scary situation because you yeah. trust the inner knowing. Yeah. Like, this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed totally. to do the scary thing right now. Totally. Um, I truly believe that our purpose is really just to be the most evolved and expressed version of ourselves. And that only comes through growth and experience. Yeah. I mean, what else is there? Right? Like just collecting shit? Oh, God. I tried that. It's not that fun. <laughs> I mean, you, you collected an entire religious worldview. It's <laughs> impressive. Oh, so much things. Yeah. <laughs> so how is your relationship with your parents now? Uh, I have an amazing relationship with my mom. And actually through this work and this journey, you would think it probably would have caused a lot of discourse. It, discord. it actually brought us so much closer together. Um, I don't have a similar relationship with my dad at this point because... I think for anybody to have a, a relationship, it takes two people to want to step into it. Mm -hmm. um, and we see things a little bit too differently at this point. There's, it's not that there's no hope for it, but it's just that for my safety and sanity, it's something that we have a little bit of distance, but I love him deeply. I send him so much love and I, I care for him deeply. I also care for myself deeply and respect that boundaries need to be in place so that we both can have a healthy version of a relationship. Are they still in Jehovah's Witness? Like, 
Um, how, do, how do you even phrase that? Did, did I just botch that? Are they still Jehovah's Witnesses? I mean, it's not really like something that rolls off the what, tongue. No. You know? how, how would you say that? Are they still um, in the church or what? Well, do you they don't call it a church. Like if okay. you're a, if you're a witness, you don't call it a church. So the, are they still witnessing? What, like, what would yeah, you say? I, yeah, you could say that, I guess. Um, as far as I know, my dad is, and my mom has her own personal relationship with um, the, re- mm. the religion that I can't really speak to. Yeah. And so then you've set up boundaries with your father to mm-hmm. have a healthier life. Mm-hmm. So that we could have a healthier relationship. Sometimes a healthy relationship means some space. Yeah. So you've got some of that. Yeah, it's that... Um, Khalil Gibran, that quote that's always in wedding vows about like the, I'm going to botch this one too, but <laughs> geez, um, something like the, the, what is it? Like the pine tree and the oak grow not in each other's shadows or something oh. like that. <laughs> like that you require space between yeah. the trees for them to grow. For them to grow the to their full, biggest. Yes. The full expression. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna use that. That's what we're doing. Well, don't use my version. I mean, like that. Maybe not that version. I'll look it up. But but like, if you if you've not read The Prophet by Khalil Gibran, I have, but I just don't. That's know. one of my favorite books, and yeah, uh, so it keeps on giving. Like you'll read a poem. Anyway, I'm ranting. Um, <laughs> Leah Rathwaite, where can people find you? Um, I know you're on Instagram because that's well, obviously. <laughs> Instagram is actually where I hang out most. Um, so you can find me at leah.brathwaite. Um, you can find my website, leahbrathwaite.com. And you can find all of the information about the program that I run um, people through. It is called The Live Free Lifestyle. And you can find that at thelivefreelifestyle.ca. I will include links to all of that in the show notes. So if you're oh, listening- you can get my book. Oh. I keep forgetting about this book that I wrote. Yeah, talk like, about your book. Thank God. I saw on your website you can get a free chapter of your book. You can. I think, yeah, I think you still can. I was like, I checked it maybe an hour ago. <laughs> okay. As far as an hour ago, you still can. Um, yeah. So I, it's part memoir, but it's also part of the process that I walk my clients through. So if you want a little taste of some of the work that we do, you can find it in there. There are some meditations. Um, there are some journaling prompts as well. And it's a bit of my story, how I kind of navigated life between meltdown mode and recreating myself. Um, And it's called A New Way of Life, A Guide for Transformation from Living a Lie to Freeing Your Soul. And anywhere you buy books online, you can grab a copy. That's so fun. Yeah. Well, I adore you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for being my new BFF for Evs. Um, Absolutely. And for sharing so openly and honestly about your truth and your transformation and your parents mm. and for, um, for just being so inspiring to me personally of like, like you've done some shit. Like that's, that's a lot. And Thanks man. Yeah. Proud of you. Just appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and keep in touch and hopefully will, I'll, absolutely. hopefully I'll see you in like a month. Come to Vancouver. Well, yeah. I mean, there's this thing. The border happening. situation, the whole yeah, yeah. minor inconvenience. I right? mean, there's like just 200 million of us that are not allowed there right now. <laughs> <laughs> but perhaps one day. One day, one day. I want to thank you so much. It's been so, so awesome to chat with you. Honestly, yeah. so great. No, privilege. Thank you. Whew, that was a good one, right? I love hearing stories of 
ordinary people transforming their lives radically and wholeheartedly. I think she's a really good example of that. She has become somebody who is completely different than who she used to be. She's created her own path. She's found her own way forward. And I love that. And I hope you take inspiration from that. And I hope you take some small actions today to start trying to do that yourself because that's what we're here to do, you know? Share our gifts, find our purpose and passion, do our thing, dance however the heck you want. Thank you for being here. I so appreciate you. I really like the support, the five-star reviews, the sharing, the comments. If you've got ideas or suggestions for me to improve this program, please do let me know. And if you're looking for more episodes, there's now like 75 of them. So go back through, check out any that you may have missed. You're in a different place in life now. So some of the questions that we addressed in previous episodes may now be super relevant to you. And yeah, have a good day, have a good life, keep smiling, and I will talk to you soon.